0: the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the uh, you know to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews.
1: There's gonna be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table.
0: Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the full court press. Oh,
2: Sproats, Anza. Yes, Anzal, Touchdown, did get it?
1: Hey, wow, what a day. Eric France (laughs) and Jason Walker with you here on the Full Court Press. You know, it it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion and has been moving in this direction for weeks. But I'll be honest, it still kind of stings today hearing that news that Donovan Mitchell traded away from the Utah Jazz. Destination doesn't really matter. Just that Donovan Mitchell traded away. Like, we knew it was going to happen. It seemed like it was a foregone conclusion as soon as they traded away Rudy Gobert. And uh, maybe not so much on that day, but in the days afterwards, it seemed like that was the direction the team was headed. But it still feels weird. And I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad as a Jazz fan. as That was a, it was a really fun group. Watching these players grow and develop in Jazz uniforms, make it to the All-Star game, deep runs uh, and great uh, runs in the regular season. Uh, Now, they didn't make really deep runs in the playoffs, I should clarify. Those were always disappointing. But um, there were some great shining stars for the Utah Jazz that are No more, and now we wait to see if uh, all this trading going on puts Utah in a position to get some new ones in the future.
2: Yeah, that's always the hope, and the risk is you're trading away known commodities for unknown commodities. It is a risk, because you are trading being a winning team, being a great team for years of being a bad team in hopes that you'll maybe get back to where you were Or slightly better. So there's always that downside. And so when people are upset at these trades, I I do understand. You don't like trading away your favorite players. The Jazz just traded away the two favorite players on the team. Everyone loved Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, for the most part. I mean, there's maybe some weirdos who didn't like (laughs) Mitchell or Gobert for one reason or another. But you traded away the face or faces of your franchise. Um, And now the only thing we have to be excited about are picks for some of the players who will be selected right now are like 12 years old or something like that. You know, picks in 2029 20, being a 19-year-old in 2029 20, is I don't know do the math. He's around 12 years old yeah. this year. Yeah. So you're you're trading for guys who are really young. Can't right even now. shave yet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, all that said though, I I do like the trade. You know, when you blow it up, blow it up. And the Jazz have done really well at that. They got a lot of value out of Rudy Gobert. The rest of the NBA was mad about how well the Jazz did because it messed everything else up. Basically nixed a Kevin Durant trade because of how insane that trade would have had to be. Mm-hmm. Like what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert was probably something akin to what Durant might have pulled. Probably a little more, a couple more picks and you know, some better, maybe a better player or two. But, you know, once Gobert got that, there because, you know, the Knicks were probably asking, like, twice as much as the Jazz got for Gobert. And there's not a team in the league who can pull that off or is willing to try. Um, so, yeah, I like what the Jazz have done so far. And then, although honestly, the the first clue that I had this trade happen was, um, I was walking outside and I pulled out my phone and I opened Twitter and I'm in a kind of a group chat on on Twitter with a bunch of other uh, jazz fans and blog writers. Um, and I saw one preview of a message that had just been sent that just said, <laughs> just said, suck it, Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I opened it up, I was like, what happened? And then somebody had uh, posted the tweet from Woj and I was like, oh, that's literally my reaction It's just <laughs> just unbidden from my mouth. I was like, oh, my gosh. It happened. It actually happened. It happened. And honestly, Cleveland,
1: that seems like a a shot out of nowhere. It seemed like, uh, yeah, all the talk had been Donovan Mitchell to New York. There were some rumblings that the Wizards may be an interested party. Heat, too. Miami was also another destination, though that was how they could make it
2: work was always kind of problematic. They'd be really serious contenders. Yeah, it was Miami wanted to buy a Ferrari with twenty bucks. Right. That's they had Tyler Hero Champagne taste on uh <laughs> light beer. It's the champ the champagne of beers.
1: <laughs> yes. So yeah, it was yeah, that that this wasn't gonna work. But Cleveland comes out of nowhere, it seems like. So apparently according to the various different reporting here, there's Woj has uh, gone in pretty in depth actually as to not just why the Cleveland deal came about, but also how the New York deal fell apart. And that Cleveland was had been in discussions with Utah for a little while, quietly under the radar, and then things kind of backed off, tailing of last week. And then when New York set their pseudo-deadline... The whatever thing they were doing. <laughs> yeah, and the Jazz didn't blink, then uh, then, then Cleveland... Calls up Justin Zanuck, I guess it's Kobe Altman. Calls up uh, Justin Zanuck Tuesday morning and say, "Hey, you want to kick the tires on this again?" Yeah. And Forty-eight hours later, here we go.
2: Yeah. We'll see. And the thing we've been hearing a lot was a connection between, you know, the Cavs and the Jazz about Colin Sexton, seemingly separate from a Donovan Mitchell trade. And um, that was always kind of interesting. I've kind of liked Colin Sexton. Um, we maybe can get to that in a minute once we finish. Hashing out some of this history, but you know, I didn't expect a Colin Sexton deal to directly involve Donovan Mitchell. I thought maybe we'd trade a couple of assets, bring in Sexton, kind of have a Donovan Mitchell replacement. But yeah, this, unless you were really smart and managed to read the tea leaves on the Colin Sexton talk, you didn't see this coming. Nobody did. So, the terms of the deal Utah gets Colin Sexton, which
1: really that is the the real prize of this deal, yeah. and it had to be a sign and trade to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cleveland signed him to a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal to make the finances of this work. Um, then they got uh, Larry Markkinen, who spent three years in Chicago before spending one year in Cleveland. So relatively young player, yeah, big man who I like his versatility. To be honest, I like him as a as a as an addition. Yeah, and then. Uh, They got rookie Oche Baji, who was highly regarded as a very talented player in college. Yeah. And uh, a really exciting piece there for Utah to get. Yeah, 14th overall pick. But again, we'll get into each of these guys because I have a lot of things to say about all of them. So, So Utah, not only do they get those players in exchange for Donovan Mitchell, they get future picks. So once again, Utah, I believe, comes out on the winning side of this deal. So they uh they get those players uh, but they also uh got future picks. So um to now in in light of what happened with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, Utah now has 13 unprotected or lightly protected first round picks through 2029 and two first round picks from this last draft that just happened this summer yep, in Walker Kessler and uh, Ochiagbaji. So uh, Utah has will have three first-round picks this next summer, courtesy of the one they have themselves, courtesy of the Brooklyn Nets, courtesy of the Wolves. Uh, and they have three picks again in 2025, three picks again in 2027, three picks again in 2029. Now, one of those is slightly protected. But Utah has a lot of future draft capital in addition to some nice young pieces. Now, I don't think they're done because now that the Donovan Mitchell deal has gone through, now Utah and other teams can start pursuing deals for Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley.
2: Yeah, and the, the talk around Twitter very much seems to be that the Lakers and Jazz are going to be likely trade partners. Some people think that the Lakers just—I saw one guy said the Lakers are just not going to trade. But who knows? There's, there's been a lot of just kind of chatter about the Jazz landing Russell Westbrook, buying him out, and they end up sending a veteran or two, you know, Mike Conley, Boyan, Clarkson, kind of all get tossed around his names. And the Jazz get Russell Westbrook, buy him out, and then they get probably the 2027 first-round pick from the Lakers— uh, or 2029. 20, those are basically the two picks the Lakers can trade, and it would be unprotected. Which you really want one of those Lakers picks unprotected because in a few years, when everything bombs out and AD and LeBron are kind of old, and LeBron may be retired by then, and then AD's you know kind of getting older and broken down. I mean, of course, AD's only like 27, 28 years old. It's kind of weird. He's already how young, broken down. Yeah, you you feel like he's old and broken down. He's actually still young, and also broken down. But you know he'll be. In on the wrong side of 30 and, and stuff like that. So the, the Lakers, they have basically no assets until 2027. They've traded them all away to get the team they have. So that could be a really valuable pick. And so that's why I'm really hoping they, you know, make a trade with the Lakers and get one of those picks because that'll be valuable again. You could end up with four first round picks in 2027. And Donovan Mitchell, if he decides to leave Cleveland. Uh, it'll either be, I think it's actually 2025. That's the first pick that they'll get from Cleveland, and it'll be after maybe Donovan Mitchell leaves Cleveland. But that's a maybe. We'll see how that. Don't want to call things too early on Mitchell's plans in Cleveland. No. But, but yeah. I mean,
1: the, Utah got a lot of, of, of assets in this deal. To be fair, Cleveland got a, an all star to pair with other existing all stars in a roster that's been improving and. They're excited, understandably, um, but uh, you know it's there's still a lot here, and we've got a lot of texts coming through. Uh, actually, I'm getting a call from our, a potential guest here on the show. So, uh, Jason, if you can go through the text, maybe react to some of our our texts here real quick. All
2: right, I will do that. So, starting with well, nine three one zero texts in earlier today at about one forty. because my radio friends tune in play soft uh, soft, soft rock station. When I try to listen to you, please help. I don't like soft rock. Um, I hope that technical issue gets fixed. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't do much to help you. But I'm also sorry you don't like soft rock. Uh, 4781, getting to the actual reactions of the news to the day, since 9310, I believe, texted in before that news broke, or maybe as that news broke. But 4781 texted says, The Jazz won the crap out of both trades. Sexton has a potential that has yet to be touched. And we still have a a lot of uh, our more electric players like Bogey and Clarkson, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, And, yeah, you know, I do believe that the Jazz definitely won both trades, at least what they're looking for, because you can argue that Minnesota and Cleveland also, in their own way, won the trade. It'll be iffy because them winning the trade is going to depend on how well they do with uh, Rudy Gobert (coughs) and Donovan Mitchell. So if they end up winning, then they get their end of the trade. The Jazz, obviously, they have to try and rebuild. We won't know if the Jazz really won the trade until way down the road. But I think as it stands now, the Jazz look good. And, you know, obviously the other sides of these trades are going to be happy with what they got. So it's kind of an everybody wins trade. Um, 5338 says, no Quinn Snyder plus no Rudy Gobert. Plus, no Donovan Mitchell equals no wins and no fans at games. The Jazz have officially become the Houston Rockets. So that's the, that is the pessimistic side uh, of this kind of trade. I shouldn't say pessimistic. It's just looking at it from a different perspective. Because, yeah, the Jazz aren't going to be very good. You've just traded away their stars. You lost the coach who'd been here, who's now the second winningest head coach in team history. It can be really frustrating for fans who just want to see a good team and see a team win. And you're not gonna get that for like four years at least. So not very fun. Yeah, but I think there's still some exciting pieces here. Yeah. But they're uh, not gonna win. That's that's kind of the that's the other side of this. Is we're all excited about the rebuild and the pieces. But there are some people who justifiably feel upset. They want to see a team win. I know several of these people. They want to see the team win. They're not like us that are like always championship or bust. They just want to see a good team, and seeing this throws that out the window. And so why do they want to go watch a bad team?
1: Fair enough. So, so th-
2: That's the other side. I'm not on that side, but I understand where they're coming from.
1: Sure. Uh, to lend a little extra perspective to the, the big deal today for the Utah Jazz, friend of the program, Dan Clayton. Joins us, seeds with Salt City Hoops, follows the Utah Jazz. We have him on regularly. Uh, Dad, just your initial reactions to the trade today with Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers.
3: Well, I'll tell you, so someone with the Jazz had, had told me a while back that um, that there was some frustration with the way New York was negotiating, and that if they didn't, and that if they didn't start, you know, kind of demonstrating more of a willingness to pay the necessary price to get a three-time All-Star that they were going to wind up getting surprised. And I think that's what happened today. I think everyone has assumed that this deal was going to go down and put Donovan Mitchell in New York or, or maybe Brooklyn or Miami. And, uh, and, look, the Jazz obviously had some things up their sleeves because um, they'd, been, they'd been talking to Cleveland. And, and once they were able to get, you know, those three unprotected first-round picks as well as some intriguing talent, they, they went for it. And I, I think the feeling downtown is that they gave the Knicks plenty of chances to sort of up their offer and negotiate earnestly and it didn't happen. So uh, the young guy is Cleveland bound.
1: So uh, in, and I guess just what Utah gets in return, that's what we've been discussing here. Did, did Utah win this trade?
3: You know, I, I, I hate doing wins and losses. Like, It's going to take years to figure out exactly what the Jazz got out of this trade, right? The picks are unprotected, but that doesn't mean that all of them are going to yield good picks or good players. Um, Some of those picks will probably be moved in future deals. The idea here is the Jazz are probably going to enter a period of time where they're not very good, as you guys were just talking about, and so their own picks are going to yield some pretty good players. And once they have a few players that they think are uh, you know the next future core of the the next good version of the Utah Jazz. Then they'll start using some of those extra picks um, as assets and as currency to go get the right complementary players around them. So you know it's it's tough to sit here today and know what all of those assets are gonna are gonna actually yield in terms of you know on court value. I do think that the Jazz were pretty steadfast all along that they weren't gonna do this deal for as little as two unprotected first round picks and it sounds from all the reporting we've heard today from uh, Berman and the New York media local people on this side um, it sounds like New York just wasn't willing to go past two unprotected picks and Cleveland was so from that standpoint i think the jazz did well to sort of know what their walk away point was know what their um, you know what know what their bare minimum was that they'd be willing to accept and ultimately, they got that. So, you know, will, will all of those picks yield amazing players on Donovan Mitchell's level? No, probably not. But when you're rebuilding, I think what you're really after are en- enough of those assets that sort of give you a shot to take a, to take a swing on a young guy in the future.
2: So I don't know if this question will be relevant if the Jazz end up trading some of their vets, but kind of my impression is when you pull all the guys Jazz the Jazz have on their roster – it feels like this is a half decent team that could maybe push for a play-in. Do you feel like that's kind of where this team is at now, as far as the the level of talent on their team?
3: I, I would say they're they're probably somewhere below that based on based on today's talent, right? Like they don't have a, a current All Star on the roster. Um, they've got some interesting young guys. You know, they just got Colin Sexton as, as part of a sign-in trade in this deal. Um, Bogey's good, Conley had a better year than most people realize because he struggled a little bit in the playoffs, and that's, you know, oftentimes as a sports fans we remember the last thing that happened instead of zooming out and, and you know, viewing the bigger picture. So, I, you know, I would say that probably as presently constructed, they're like a 35-win team maybe generously, but I, but I think you're right in the sense that this, this Donovan trade today probably means that the Jazz are not done. They're probably going to tear down the roster further and, and especially, you know, move some of the veterans. I think, you know, maybe they hold on to some of the younger pieces like Malik Beasley, um, you know, Jordan Clarkson may be kind of on the border of the young group and the old group, so I don't know where the thinking is on him. But, you know, certainly Bogie and Conley are probably, you know, not at the right phase in their career to really be part of a rebuild. So I think if they can get assets for those guys, those trades will probably be next. Um, I'd say keep an eye on the Bogey situation in particular, because there have been rumors this week that the Jazz may use Bogey's salary to help to help the LA Lakers get off of Russell Westbrook's salary and get some additional draft compensation for doing that. So, you know, I think you're right. I think it it might still be too early to assess. What the, what the talent level will produce because I don't think this is the team they're taking into training camp. Or 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 maybe more accurately, you know, taking into the regular season and taking past the trade deadline. I think that's really the window is the Jazz have between now and really February to, to see if if some of the players they have could yield something on the NBA marketplace.
2: So you may have already kind of answered this question, but in terms of trading those vets, who do you feel like are the most likely trade partners you mentioned uh the lakers maybe russell westbrook are there any others who may be targeting mike conley or uh bogdanovich
3: um yeah so i've heard the bogdanovich has a pretty decent market um you know conley i think by nature of his age and uh and the fact that he's um he's at a point in his career where he's having to redefine some of what he does well because because of the age factor and you know he, he He's never been an above the rim guy, but particularly at age thirty four, you know, your game looks different than it did at age twenty or twenty five or thirty. So, you know, I think because of that, Conley will appeal to a you know, maybe a smaller range of teams. I think really it's gonna be win now teams that look at Conley, but but look, Mike, you know, we're we're a season and a half removed from Mike making his first all star game. And by at least the advanced metrics and, and impact metrics he was just as good last year as he was in that All Star season. So I think a lot of teams will look at Mike as someone who, in a particular role, you know, I don't necessarily think he's going to start on most contenders right now, but you know, I think teams will look at him as someone who could help. The question is, you know, what will a team pay uh, to get to get a guy who, you know, in Bogey's case, he's an expiring contract, right? So another team is going to look at that as a rental. Like, what are you going to? realistically give the jazz for 12 months of boyan Bogdanovich, really for 82 games of boyan Bogdanovich. and i think if you're a team like the lakers who you're under some pressure from your from your superstar to win now because lebron james is 37 years old and you know doesn't have the luxury of having patience right now then maybe maybe you'd pay more for a rental than another team whose window is is just starting like you know dallas with a young superstar like luka doncic they probably can afford to be more patient than a team like the Lakers or, or other teams with, you know, superstars who are longer in the tooth. So, I, you know, I don't know... I don't know exactly where those guys will end up. What You know, will will end up. Um, as I said, the, the Jordan Clarkson case is really interesting, too, because he's kind of straddling that line of, like, you know, he's not an old guy, but he's also not a young guy anymore. So I'm interested to see what the market for him is like. He's got... Uh, a couple of years left, including a player option. So, you know, a team could theoretically acquire him for two seasons, and I think that is, that feels a little different um, to, to teams on the receiving end of that trade. So it'll it'll be interesting, but I think uh, I think basically the Jazz's mindset right now is going to be and should be based on the moves they've already made. Like at this point, if you can get a forward-looking asset for any of those guys, I think you have to do it because it's pretty clear that these Jazz are are not. They're not aiming for the playoffs right now, right? So if you can get an asset that helps you in 2024, 2025, 2026, the Jazz right now, everything they do is going to be about trying to open up that next championship window with a new core of players who, frankly, we don't know who they are yet.
1: It seems like for the next couple of years, uh, each uh, NBA draft is going to be alternating picks between the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder with both <laughs> squads acquiring a lot of future draft capital. But uh, last question for me, Dan, it's just I, I know this is just happening, and we're still trying to dissect it and understand who some of these pieces are, but Colin Sexton only played 11 games last year. But uh, to make this deal work, basically he had to do this uh, sign-and-trade, four years, $72 million. Uh, a- as a player for Colin Sexton, and I guess just the, the, the true assets, what we do know... In Sexton, Marketin and Agbaji, you know, what? How do you assess that they may fit into the, a jazz system? I know there still may be some more moving parts here, but what do those assets look like in your mind?
3: Yeah, so I had heard, I had heard previously that the Jazz actually really liked Sexton, both in the context of if they were keeping Donovan and looking at a way to stay competitive, but also like at his age, they like kind of taking an extended look at him and seeing if he's someone who still has the potential to develop into, you know, a borderline all-star type of player, or maybe even better than that, right? Um, so, you know, they like him. I think, look, the salary sounds like a lot at $18 million a year over the next four years. Um, the reality is that's not that much with the cap rising. Um, it sounds bonkers for us real people to, to talk about $18 million, like it's not that much, but the salary cap is going to rise to the to the level where, like, you know, pretty soon $20 million is just going to be good starter money in the NBA. So we just kind of need to recalibrate when we hear these numbers what that what that actually means in terms of, you know, a percentage of the cap and and a team's ability to do things. The other guys like, you know, I I'm hearing that the Jazz will will probably hang on to marketing for now, but again, the, the the point is like it's all about who is that next four that's going to give the Jazz a chance to do something special. And we don't know who those Players are yet so. Markkinen is for now going to be a Jazz player. He they may decide before his contract is up that he offers more value as a trade asset than he does as a piece of the future, and they may trade him at some point for assets. Agbaji, you know, I like. He was a recent lottery pick. He was picked 14th in this most recent draft. Um, you know, he, he's an athlete. He's he's not as he's not as big. You know, he's six five. If he were six eight with his skill profile, he probably would have been a top ten pick. So the size is a little bit of a of a watch out, but um, you know all three of those guys are, are guys that they're now going to get a an extended look at. Um, and is under contract for I think two more years, then with you know kind of an option and some non guaranteed stuff after that. And Baji uh, has you know four years ahead of him, and then the Jazz will have the the opportunity to to match any contract offer he gets after his fourth season. So. Those rookie deals are incredibly value because you get a guy who's young and cheap, and who you can ostensibly control up to like seven or eight years of his future if you want to. Because the Jazz will have uh, the Jazz will have those team option years and then the uh, the matching rights. So you know I'll have to take a closer look at Akbaji. I'm not a big college hoops nerd because I spend so much time obsessing over the NBA. So I'll have to look more closely at Akbaji. I think those other two guys, the the way I would term it. Is, is the same thing I heard about Talon Horton Tucker when the Jazz acquired him last week. Like The Jazz are all about finding young guys who might have some unexplored potential and just taking a look, just, just taking a long look at who they are and who they could become and who, who they could become as basketball players, but also who they could become as assets and value pieces, um, because what they hope is that in X number of years, they're in a position to go out and make the right deals to assemble the next Contending core of the Utah Jazz.
1: Well, Dan, appreciate you joining us uh, last minute uh, as uh, this deal is just breaking this afternoon, trying to make sense of it on the fly. But uh, always appreciate your insight and the work that you guys do over at Salt City Hoops, uh, especially with your partnership with the Salt Lake Tribune. I encourage everybody to go check that out. Great analysis and insight at Salt City Hoops. Dan Clayton, definitely a part of that. So mm-hmm. thank you, Dan, for your time today and, and hopping on with us last second. Fellas, it's always fun. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, great stuff there. Uh, who are these players? How does it impact the Jazz? Um, and the, what is the future of this team looking like without Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert on the roster? It's an absolute reset for this team. It's not just trading one player away who some people, you know, got mad at how he may or may not help the team defensively, which is ser- is ridiculous. <laughs> but um, it's a complete redeal. Uh, for the utah jazz more of your reactions coming through we got your texts we'll get to those 435-339-0321 here on the full court press
0: hey it's garrett grantham with grantham mobile automotive just like a plumber just like an electrician i come to your home i am a master ase technician licensed insured and ready to come to you for your car repair needs right now it is hot outside from air conditioners to transmissions i can take care of you give me a call and i will come to you to get your car's ac running cold in no time 435-229-4345 that's 435-229-4345
3: For more than a decade, Integrity Home Health and Hospice has been changing patient lives, outcomes, futures, and now we're changing our name. Integrity is now proud to be called Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Aegis.
0: A-E-G-I-S.
3: At Aegis, we're dedicated to compassion, character, and trust. We will ensure you experience the difference as we meet your home health and hospice needs. I'm Melissa Fieser. Our team promises to go above and beyond with compassion and care. Call us today, 435-723-9000 or find us online at MyAges.com.
4: Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite
2: you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally without all the red tape by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank. Growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank. Member FDIC. Sponsored by the Utah Army National Guard. Aired by the Utah Broadcasters Association and this station.
4: Boys and Girls Club of Northern Utah invites you to form a team and play in their second annual scramble for the structured golf tournament. It's set for October 3rd, 10 a.m. at the Logan Golf and Country Club. The $1,000 foursome fee includes golf, cart, and prime rib lunch after. All proceeds go towards creating a new Boys and Girls Club structure in Cache County. Contact the club in Brigham City or call Jenny Schultz at 435-723-6224. That's the Boys and Girls Club Scramble for the Structure Golf Tournament, October 3rd. I'm Matt Neverett. This week in the Mountain West, we'll preview the 2022 season in both the Mountain and West divisions. Can Utah State repeat or will Boise State bounce back? Can Air Force run their way to the title who will survive the gauntlet that is the West Division and who could surprise us this season in 2022? It's all this week here on the Mountain West Radio Network. Friday afternoon during the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio 1069 FM, 1390 AM, the fan.
0: Join the show by calling 435 752 1069 or text 435 339 0321. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker.
1: Hotter weather can be brutal on your vehicle. Take it into Valvoline Instant Oil. Change across from Angie's. Valvoline Synthetic. Valvoline Max Life Oil. And we'll get you back on the road fast. 695 North Main in Logan. Uh, Again, appreciate Dan Clayton coming on, joining us uh, last minute uh, and uh, making accommodations to come on and get his reactions to the deal today. Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. In exchange, Utah gets... Uh, forward Laurie Markkinen, rookie wing, Ochai Agbaji from this uh, draft this summer, and guard Colin Sexton, in addition to three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 27, and 29, and two pick swaps for 26 and 28
2: in exchange for Donovan Mitchell. Yep. We got some, some texts coming in. Uh, 2197. Uh, he has a couple of texts. One of them says, sad to see that selfish glory hog that doesn't play defense traded? Not me. Oh, shots fired. That's on the pessimistic side, or probably the harsh way of putting it. Um, I understand his point of view. I wouldn't say it that harshly. But that is one of the reasons why some people were maybe not too sad to see Mitchell go. Because they're, maybe like me, worried about Mitchell's ability to truly lead a championship team. It was that way with Gobert too. Gobert had his own problems, and Mitchell had his. So together, it kind of felt like, well, we don't have a path forward to the championship because both players have seemingly fatal flaws in terms of getting anywhere past the second round. So, like I said, that's that's the pessimistic way to put it. Um, the next tweet he sends in is Agbaji equals Donovan Mitchell, which is, I, if you're talking, talking same player then I would disagree. If you're talking potential, I might also disagree. <laughs> well, I mean, we
1: didn't know what Mitchell was going to be like when he was first drafted. Here's a guy that was drafted, what, 13th, 14th? Uh, out of Louisville. He was a guy that wasn't on my radar. And uh, then he he really showed up on the scene. And, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be pretty special. Should have been the rookie of the year. Now, is Baji going to be the rookie of the year? Probably not. But could he be uh, an exciting young prospect out of Kansas? Six foot five, two hundred fifteen pounds. He was an exciting player at a high-profile program. So, to say he equals Donovan—that's too early to
2: tell. Uh, but um, it's an exciting addition to yeah. Utah Jazz. So, without having done any deep scouting, looking at numbers. I looked up some of his his draft profiles, get a few different perspectives. The consensus from those draft profiles seems to be very athletic, uh, good physical tools, about 6'5", 6'10", wingspan. Uh, they say the 250 pounds was solidly built for a guy who will probably best fit as a shooting guard, small four, basically a wing, a guy you can plug in at either wing spot and could basically be a great three and D player. At his peak, like the highest potential would probably be like a Clay Thompson. Not maybe not so much like the, you know, elite elite shooter, Clay Thompson, but a guy who's best off ball, maybe your third score because Clay not really much of an on ball score. He worked really well as a perfect role player, you know, as a shooter and great defender. Three and D. Like Clay Thompson is the Hall of Fame three and D player. That's the high potential for, um, I'm not I'm not going to get used to saying his name, Agbaji. There you go. <laughs> Modern names. The more international we'll the game gets, the harder it, it is for me to say these names. It's great that it's international. It's not great for my pronunciation. <laughs> it was easier when everybody was named Smith. Um, but, yeah, so he's basically going to be a 3 and D guy. He's not an on-ball scorer like Mitchell was, or is still. So that's the thing is that you look at him basically as a slightly taller, hopefully better, Royce O'Neal. Like that's what you're looking at, like a. It's a yeah, I like, like that. Like and, a rich man's Royce O'Neal. Yeah, an upgrade to Royce. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna want to play him at power forward the way they were Royce, um, but this is a guy who can be your the best perimeter defender on your team, hit some threes. He's athletic, so maybe he can do a few things. He develops a bit on-ball in terms of his scoring. He can be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more like Clay Thompson, who actually he does have on-ball scoring. So that's what you're looking at with Igbaji: is high-end, 3-and-D, you know, the kind of starter every championship team has, even if he's not their star. Well, one of the things that Utah, uh,
1: one of its real failings that were exposed during the playoffs is that, Utah lacked length on the perimeter. And the moves that they have been making have addressed length on the perimeter and uh, big guys who are more versatile. And uh, Laurie Markkinen can stretch out and uh, hit an outside shot. Yes. So yeah. that's, that's one of the, been the, the issues Utah faced. They didn't have a big man who could draw the defender out. And they really lacked any length on the perimeter and versatility on the perimeter outside of one guy really. And Utah has solved a lot of those. Now they gave up their all-stars to do it, but it's
2: something that they're trying to become more of a modern NBA team. Yeah, they do have a lot of good pieces. They have some versatile defenders. Jared Vanderbilt uh, is a defensive piece. A lot of people like does have the flaw with being an undersized center, but can't play four because He can't shoot threes. Uh, Markin is kind of weird because because he like can't play center despite being seven feet tall. Um, can play the four. I think was playing small forward even sometimes in Cleveland, despite maybe projecting best is a power forward, a stretch four. You know the guy came out as uh, came into the league as a guy who's expected to be a stretch four type. Uh, he's shooting like 36, I think maybe just under 37 percent from three for his career. Um, career like I think uh, 15 points a game. Um, I well, a,
1: last year he was 15
2: points a game. Yeah, well, his his five year career average is like 15.4, I think. Oh, okay. Um, he's been up and down in a lot of time. I think he's I think he topped out at like 16. Was 14 one year. Was like 13 his rookie year or something like that. But yeah, last year was about 15 points a game. You know, good solid piece for a kind of young, exciting Cleveland team. But yeah, I was playing the three a lot because he would be playing with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Mm. which was interesting. You have three seven-footers all on the floor at the same time, which is kind of where his versatility comes in because that lineup wasn't necessarily awful. Uh, It was really weird when you have three seven-footers out there. You know, Markkanen does have some versatility there. Isn't a strong inside presence. That's his biggest weakness is being a seven-footer who's not, you know, a, a guy like Kevin Durant who can maneuver on the perimeter. He's not nearly that kind of player. But he also can't, you know, bang with the boys inside. So there's some weaknesses there. And at this point, you know he's only 25, but he's played five years. So he kind of is who he is. Mm -hmm. But he's a solid player. And and I think that's kind of why Dan Clayton was saying maybe he ends up being more valuable as a trade piece. Because like I said, he is who he is at this point. He's not really going, you know, there's not any unfulfilled potential there. So he may be more valuable as a trade piece. But he is a good player that the Jazz can hang on to now. And he's young enough that maybe he lasts a few years and is maybe sticks around to be part of, hopefully, a playoff team in the next three, four years. So it's kind of like a Boyan Bogdanovich, maybe not quite as a
1: lethal outside shooter.
2: Yeah, and not as good of a, you know, score as Boyan. Boyan has, you know, a good offensive package, a scoring package, you know, post-up game, you know, some ability to drive the basket. Martin doesn't quite have that. Um, probably a bit of a better post player, but... You know, he, he does compare kind of to Boyan. Right. Uh, and then Colin
1: Sexton, 6'1", uh, point guard, um, for, from, uh, from Cleveland and, uh, averaging, uh, for his career, 20 points a game. Now, last year he only played 11 games. So he's coming off of a knee injury coming into the season, but, um, but here's a guy who has a history of being able to score points. And uh, 38% from three on his career. Yeah. So, you know, uh, does he play alongside Mike Connolly if Connolly stays? You know, they could play the same role. That'll be kind of a question. Not really a big assist man. I mean, not quite like uh, Connolly would set up his teammates more than Colin Sexton will. But... Um, you know, th- th- this is this is a star that the Jazz are getting. Not an all-star, but he is on the fringe. He was on the fringe in the East and uh, could be somebody that could be developed into that uh, role with a lot of opportunity on the, in a Jazz uniform.
2: Yeah, he will definitely be the leading scorer for the Jazz this year. His last full season uh, played 60 games in 2020, uh, the 2020-2021 season, which doesn't sound like a ton, but they only played 72 games that year. So he only missed 12 games. Um, So basically a full season, averaged 24.3 points. And his trajectory as a scorer was at 16, just under 17 his rookie year, 20.8 the next year, 24.3 the next year, and then last year he only played 11 games. He averaged 16 points, but 11 games, can't really read too much into that. So he was on an upward trajectory, a lot like Mitchell had early in his career where he He went up slow, and he's kind of been topping out at 26, 27 points. Sexton was almost on that path at decent efficiency. Uh, Mid-40s overall in his percentages, like I said, about 38% for his career from three. So the one thing is he actually compares favorably, or uh, just in terms of his archetype, a lot to Mitchell, both good and bad. Uh, Undersized scoring guard, not much of a distributor. Mitchell's actually a better distributor than than Sexton, at least by the numbers, because Mitchell's at five or six assists. Right. Sexton is at like three and a half for his career. So Sexton, the problem is he doesn't project well as a point guard, but based on his size, that's where you'd like him to play. And it makes it a bit of a question, well, we, we didn't like the, the Conley-Mitchell pairing because of how small it was, but if we do that this year, well, it's the same thing. It's, it's really virtually the same thing. You, you yes. basically have... Like My initial thoughts on Colin Sexton when I was first seeing him and getting a uh, an idea of who he was, to me he was just basically diet Donovan Mitchell. Undersized scoring guard, an absolute bucket getter at times, sometimes issues with inefficiency, all the time issues with being able to play defense based on the position he was best suited to play in terms of his archetype. Um, so like I said, there's, he has the same positives and the same negatives, just right now he doesn't have the same Ceiling that Mitchell has shown. We'll see if he can he can do that. Like I said his injury last year really derailed that. He was maybe going to have that All Star breakout season with Cleveland, ended up not because of the injury. Maybe he could do that in Utah. He's going to have all the chance in the world to put up as many points as he wants in Utah. Yeah, Donovan six foot one. Colin Sexton six
1: foot one. Big difference here. Donovan two hundred and fifteen pounds. Sexton, 190 pounds.
2: Yeah, a little slider. And I'm not going to say their play styles are exactly the same, um, but in the general broad strokes. Because, again, I, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with all the stuff that Sexton does in terms of his exact tendencies, but they are both bucket getters. so, And they're both below-the-rim players. Uh, I, don't, I know it's weird to call Donovan Mitchell below-the-rim player, but that's why I never liked the Dwayne Wade comparisons. Because Dwayne Wade had like a hundred dunks in a season once, and Mitchell's topped out at like thirty. So, <laughs> but they're both you know small below the rim, uh, both good ball handlers, slithery inside. Mitchell obviously more capable of taking a hit. He can be a little more physical than Sexton is. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, you know they're both crafty and can get anywhere on the floor and get their shot off. So, like I said, it's Diet Donovan Mitchell. All right, we need to take another time out here on the Full
1: Court Press. A couple of texts coming through. We'll get to those coming up on the other side. 435-339-0321 to chime in and give your reactions to the trade today. Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Jazz get uh, Larry Markkinen, uh, Colin Sexton. They also get the, their draft selection from this past summer, Oche uh, Then They also get three protected, or excuse me, unprotected first-round picks in 25, 27, and 29, and two pick swaps uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So your reactions to that coming up on the Full Court Press. But first, it's, uh, you know, once the Napa Gold filter sales going on, that means it's time to stock up. So all Napa Gold filters are on sale now at up to 60% off. They have big discounts on oil, too, like a five-quart jug of Napa Synthetic at just $22.99 napa 15w40 diesel oil or lubrigard 15w40 synthetic blend for 13.99 a gallon so a lot of great deals going on right now during the napa gold filter sale
0: cash valley is growing if you're new to the area or here for school you should pick up a free copy of the best of northern utah magazine that's where you'll find the area's top businesses voted on by our local community Any service or product you might need, you'll find it in the Best of Northern Utah magazine. Pick up locations are throughout Cache Valley. For a location near you, visit bestofnorthernutah.com. Our local businesses are the heart of our community, so please support all of our business community by shopping local. Best of Northern Utah. Summer is cruising by way too fast. It's already back to school time. Soon you're going to start experiencing many special places and events that you won't forget. Such as your first slide down Old Main Hill, attending Aggie football and basketball games, or a wild party at the Hal. And your first kiss on the Aggie Bowl. That might just lead to that extra special moment at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Cash Valley's Engagement Ring Store, where it's all about the romance. Just look for the bright
3: green cars at 930 North Main Street.
1: My name is Chris Hammond. My wife
4: really appreciates a clean home, especially with three kids and two dogs. So when it comes to our carpets being cleaned, I always go to Daryl from ChemDry of Northern Utah. His team is quick, on time, and precise. They do a great job of making sure our home and our carpets are clean. Thank you, ChemDry of Northern Utah.
0: ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry of Northern Utah. 435-752-6100. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. This is Ryan at My Mattress, the Labor Day Sale. Our biggest sale of the year is in full swing right now. Come in and choose from the two world's best beds, IntelliBed and Tempur-Pedic. Get up to $1,500 off these beds. Up to five years, no interest financing and no sales tax. 90-day sleep guarantee and 90-day price guarantee. Queen start at just $239. Special truckload latex mattresses only at My Mattress, the Labor Day Sale. Isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in Providence and Cash Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical clinic located at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan, just south of Cash Valley Hospital. The entire staff and Dr. Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cash Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North, 400 East in North Logan. Go to CashValleyEnt.com for details. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker.
1: Eric France and Jason Walker, here on the Full Court Press. Reactions today, Utah Jazz trading away Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Getting to some of your reactions to the trade today. 5-3-7-4. What's the difference between a protected and unprotected pick? That's a fair question. So uh, teams can say, we will give you this future draft pick, but you only get to use it if it falls within a certain area of draft order, and that's considered a protected pick, like Utah has a future protected pick from the Timberwolves in 2029, and if that uh, it, it's protected if it falls within the first five in the uh, in the lottery. Uh, outside of that, Utah has access to it, but if it's the way that the balls. Drop with the, uh, the the trade machine, not the trade machine, the uh, the ping pong balls, and uh, it turns out that when they do the, the draft lottery, and it looks like the Timberwolves will get selections one, two, three, four, or five, they will retain the rights of that pick. Otherwise, it's Utah's.
2: Yeah, basically, it's an if this happens, we get to keep the pick. With the if just being where it lands.
1: And Danny Ainge has been very adamant that if you want an all-star like Donovan Mitchell, you need to give us unprotected picks. And New York was unwilling to do that. And so they they missed out. And Cleveland came together and made it work for them to get him.
2: Yeah. So protections are basically if everything goes to crap for the team that just traded away their pick, they can maybe retain it. Like the Warriors kind of did that with the Jazz where they had a protected pick, and they ended up tanking so they could keep that pick, which turned into Harrison Barnes. So it's basically a a safety net for the team, and Danny Ainge wanted to pull that safety net out from underneath the team.
1: Right. Uh, 4781. At least what's-his-face will actually shoot the three instead of passing it like Royce did. Agbaji. (laughs) Agbaji. That's the idea. Yeah, he should. Yeah, Royce was a satisfactory defender, but... Uh, not a great three-point shooter. Not a lot of confidence
2: to shoot yeah, the ball. Not a confident three-point shooter. He's good when he shot it, though he yeah. only shot it when he was wide open.
1: 9 uh, 3 I'm satisfied with the haul we got from Rudy and Donovan. This roster is young. Reminds me of the Thunder. I can handle a couple losing seasons, but we'll need a couple All-Stars at some point. Are there any potential All-Stars on this roster?
2: Starts with Sexton. He's the most likely. Uh, And if this season, if he comes back well from the uh, injury, then it it might be tricky because there's so many guards. And so it's really hard as a guard to make an all star team uh, because there's just so many that people want to pick because, you know, with a lot of good scoring guards. But if he. Right.
1: You're competing against Steph, Clay, and.
2: And he's he's also on a bad team and and, and people don't want to put. Yeah. (laughs) I said there's a long list. So. He could have a really good season where Jazz fans are clamoring for him to be an all-star, but he won't because of a long list of reasons. Yeah, he could end up scoring like 25 points a game this season.
1: Uh, Baji, could he be
2: one? Uh, I don't know. Too early. Way too early. If he's like an all-NBA defender, well, even then, because people don't pick guys who are defenders. Robert Covington never made an all-star team. Um, Rudy made it because of his defense. Well because he's just a really but. he's just such a really good player. Although it took him like I think, two or three years to when he finally did make it. Right. Um and because centers there's a few spots, there's only a few good centers, so Yeah,
1: it's true. It's more limited pool to draw from.
2: Yeah. So Agbaji probably not unless he's a much better scorer than we think he is. So basically right now on this roster, it's Sexton and like I said, if if Agbaji is way better than we think he is, you
1: know, Donovan came in and, and filled the vacuum that was created when Gordon Hayward left. Uh, there is a there is a new vacuum in Utah to be filled. So there's opportunities for somebody to come in and fill up a box score and and really go off. Uh, who is that going to be? I don't know. And and how will Will Hardy run the ship? I, that's the other
2: thing we don't know. Will he provide
1: opportunities for young talent to blossom?
2: Yeah. I'll tell you this. Agbaji should be a good pick for an all rookie team. You know, this is a guy who's going to play a big role. Could end up starting if he plays well. He could end up starting and being a good player. You know, on a bad team, but good rookies, no matter where they're at, can make all rookie teams. And so I'd I'd look at Agbaji as a as a really solid all rookie candidate based on it based on his opportunity, kind of as
1: you said. Very different looking jazz roster. Uh, maybe on the other side, we'll run down current players on the jazz roster and see how many are holdovers and just how many new faces there are uh next hour we'll continue to get your reactions to the trade today and uh our pick six the six things we think might happen this weekend and our predictions for utah state at alabama love to get yours as well
4: 435-339-0321 to chime in on the full court press (laughs) I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The college football season kicked off last weekend, but Week 0 didn't feature many big-name programs. Tonight, it'll be different. This weekend will be as well. Tonight's games will feature multiple ranked teams. At first glance, the programs competing don't look like playoff contenders, but just because a team isn't highly ranked to start the year doesn't mean that we can write them off. Look at the 2010 Auburn Tigers. Preseason ranking of 22. The team went on to defeat four separate top 25 opponents, capping off the year with the national title as well. The 1981 Clemson Tigers started out the season unranked. Five months later, national champs. When it comes to college football, you can't be too sure what the rankings will look like at the end of the year. It's all speculation. And although tonight's games may not feature any national title favorites, I wouldn't skip out on them because in college football, you just never know which teams might be a surprise in a couple of months. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.